So I just finished recording episode eight, and if you're looking for episode eight, you're in the right location. Welcome. Good to have you. Penscast. Yeah, let's go. But I realized that I forgot to mention something, kind of an elephant in the room that I teased last week, didn't mention, completely forgot because there's a lot of news that just happened. It was draft lottery day for God's sakes that the Penscast has joined the Hockey Podcast Network. Big thing, awesome, good stuff, no downside here, happy to be a part of this. Um, it's not going to change any of the content or anything I do. It's just now I'm going to be, I have a bigger microphone than before, you know, I'm going to be a part of a network where there's already a lot of established hockey podcasts and people will be able to find me through the network now. But I, I hope, you know, this grows my podcast, but I also hope that me being on the network can grow the network as well. I hope it's a, you know, mutually beneficial agreement, but, uh, no changes to the content, as I mentioned. There's going to be the ad, and like an advertisement here too. Nothing huge, but yeah, this is really, really good stuff. It's I'm, I'm really proud of the work that I've done to uh, to get this a part of a network. It's been great. It's been an awesome ride. But felt like I should mention it because I completely forgot to do that when I was talking and going on rants about draft lotteries. So yeah, just wanted to rip that bandaid off before we get into episode eight. That's a thing now. You can find the uh, Penscast now on the Hockey Podcast Network feed, whenever whatever pod you know the listening device you use or a uh, streaming service you use, you can find the Penscast now also on the Hockey Podcast Network feed, and I'm, it's awesome, and I'm really happy to be part of something like this. So. Please continue listening to the Penscast and also be open-minded. There's other podcasts on the network. Be willing to listen to them. Uh, there's other teams that are covered, obviously. there's I think there's another Penguins podcast as well if you want to listen to them. So, uh, yeah, all good stuff. I'm really proud to be a part of something like this. So, But here is Episode 8, as promised. Sorry for the delay. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Penscast. Welcome back for those of you tuning in again. Welcome back, good to have you. And it is Monday, May 8th, 2023. And it's a late night podcast because I felt it was important to know the 2023 draft lottery results before I started recording. And it finished up a little less than an hour ago uh, before 830 and everyone now knows that Connor Bedard will be a Chicago Blackhawk. The Blackhawks win the most coveted first overall pick since 2015, where Connor McDavid was picked by the Edmonton Oilers. And before that, you have to go all the way back to 2005, where Sidney Crosby was picked first overall by the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's the level of prospect that the Blackhawks are getting. It was a tough broadcast to watch everyone uh, left with questions and it seems like there's a lot of people thinking that there may have been something rigged um, obviously not fantastic with how that ended up but also goes to a western conference team so for penguin fans he we don't have to deal with him very much he's not going to be in our hair and columbus moved back one spot 
and you know a metro division team so good so as a penguins fan can't be that upset that chicago won it's good for us but as a hockey fan as a human being not the organization that deserved it especially after the kyle beach situation where there are members of the organization that covered up sexual assault allegations uh and that all came to light you know last year there are many people now coming out on twitter now that they've won saying that blackhawks should have got, got that pick you know uh, forfeited because of what happened that obviously didn't happen and people did lose their jobs stan bowman lost his job as general manager joe quinn john quinn, joel quinville excuse me of, of head coach at the time of the blackhawks but whenever uh, all this investigation happened of the florida panthers he stepped down and resigned for his uh position so individuals took the fall but the organization did not face many consequences and people thought are saying now that you know this should have been the consequence did not come to be and it's now over and they won the prize they win the, the best prospect since mcdavid and this is coming in an off season where they're well they already lost patrick kane they're gonna lose jonathan taves and without even stumbling they're gonna pick themselves up and start with Connor Bedard. Just unreal. And you know what? I kept I kept thinking to myself that Adam Fantilli seemed like a great Blackhawk. I was like, oh, you know, he's gonna be a great Blackhawk. They're probably gonna pick second. Nope. They get they get first, and now the Anaheim Ducks will have to settle for Adam Fantilli, which isn't much of settling. He's a great player in his own right. He's gonna be the first line center there, I think, for a long time. And they're going to have a good one-two punch there of uh, him and Zegris or him and McTavish. And throw one of either McTavish or Zegris on the on the wing, you know, whoever whoever you want. But they're set up for long-term for success. The Blackhawks have a ton of picks coming up. So even, you know, Bedard be damned, they still have a lot to look forward to. And they have a really bright future. I'm happy for their fans. I'm not happy for the organization. I think it's a very crap organization and it could not have happened to a worse organization. But for the fans, congratulations. I don't want to say long-suffering because you haven't been long-suffering. You were, aside from the Penguins, the most successful organization in the last decade. And now you get to have another generational talent. So, awesome. Good stuff there. Worst case scenario would have been for the Penguins if one of those Metro teams had one, obviously, Connor Bedard. And uh, Columbus looked like they were going to pick second. They had the second best odds. But they moved back. And everyone seems to be in consensus that the 1-2 is, you know, pretty set in stone. The 1 is definitely Bedard. The 2 is a step below, definitely Fantilli. Then there's a little bit of a drop-off, but there's still, like, a third tier there underneath those two. And no one's really sure who's going to be third. And that, from a Penguin perspective, is good. Because, you know, maybe Columbus doesn't pick the right guy. Maybe, you know, they, they I don't think they're going to go with Mitchkov because he's more of a project and a longer-term project. They kind of need a guy now. Based on how things fell, I would guess that Mitchkov probably gets picked up five by Montreal just because they have so many prospects that they can kind of wait on one or two. 
but San Jose and Columbus, I don't think can afford to wait on Mitchkov. So Columbus is probably going to pick a guy like Will Smith, maybe, or Leo Carlson. Either either way, those are great prospects, and on most years, probably even including last year, they'd probably be first overall picks. Either of them, including Mitchkov. You know, the top five in this draft would have been first last year, many people believe. So, you know, the Metro is still going to get a really good player. And then in seventh, thank God Philadelphia did not move up. That would have really sucked. So breathe a sigh of relief there, Penguin fans. Pennsylvania is not going to have another generational star right now. And then in eighth, Washington stayed at eight. They were in the eighth spot originally. They stayed there. And we don't have to deal with another, you know, Ovechkin, you know, screwing us for the next two decades. Luckily, they're going to pick at eight. But but like I said, same with uh, Columbus. Like, the top ten is really good. So Philadelphia and Washington are going to get really good players too. Um, And so the official results are Chicago 1, Anaheim 2, Columbus 3, San Jose 4, Montreal 5, Arizona 6, Philadelphia 7, Washington 8, Detroit 9. Detroit never wins these things. 10, St. Louis. 11, Vancouver. 12, Ottawa but it was uh, traded to Arizona, so that's Arizona's pick again. 13, Buffalo. 14, Pittsburgh. 15, Nashville. 16, Calgary. Pittsburgh had a 1.5% chance of winning one of the one of these lotteries. They would not have gotten the first overall pick, however, because as of this year's lottery, you can only move up 10 spots. So from 14, the best they could have gotten was up to 4. Again, there was really good players at that in the top five, top six. So they still would have gotten a really good player. Probably one of Will Smith, Leo Carlson, Mitch Koff, one of those guys. We won't obviously ever know because they're staying at 14. But yeah, 1.5% chance of winning did not happen. They stay at 14. Now, who is available at 14? Obviously, we don't know yet, but projected on Elite Prospects, which is one of my uh, most trusted websites that I look at. There's a handful of really, really good names, I think, and uh, good players that are going to be available. They have slotted at 14 in their rankings. This is their March rankings. I couldn't find anything more recent. There are other rankings, but the ones I just trust the most are uh, it's Elite Prospects. They know their prospects, hence the name. Uh, 14 is Axwell Sandin Palinka, I believe. Palika, I, for, I believe is how you pronounce his name. He is a Swedish defenseman. He's the top-rated Swedish defenseman, I believe, in this draft. They have him ranked at 14. Of course, that's not always how these things go. So that probably, you know, likely is not the guy, but just one of the people that's going to be available. Other uh, notable names there, uh, Colby Barlow, who was a forward for the Owen Sound attack. In 59 games, he had 79 points. He played majority left wing this year. Let's see if I can find some more stuff out about uh, Colby real quick. He is, he's 6'1", 187. He's been ranked, you know, a bunch of different places. Uh, He's been ranked uh, top 10, top 15. So he seems like the kind of guy I think that the Penguins could possibly look at. Elite Prospects has him ranked at 16, I believe, in their March rankings. That's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, Check forward. Dalbor Dvorsky, he's a center and also right wing, plays uh, for AIK in hockey, Al Svenskan. I've never been able to pronounce that very well, but it's uh, it's in Sweden. He plays in the Swedish league. 
he had 14 points in 38 games, but it's a professional league, so, you know, and he's obviously an, like a, a young kid, so everything, take that with a grain of salt. He's 6'1", 201, left-handed. Uh, you know, those are the kind of guys I think that I think, I think they have uh, a lot of up- upside, to be honest with you. Some other names that are notable, Riley Height. I believe is how you pronounce it. He played for the Prince George Cougars in the WHL. 97 points this year in 68 games. He's a forward. Braden Yeager played for Moose Jaw, the Moose Jaw Warriors in WHL. He had 78 points in 67 games. Those are the names that are, you know, in that uh, region. Another name I want to mention, Matthew Wood. He's a uh, forward. He played at the University of Connecticut in the NCAA. Just under a point a game this year. He had 34 points in 35 games. Those are the names that stand out most to me in that area where the Penguins are going to draft. I think as the World Championships are going to be played pretty soon here, I think some rankings may change a little bit. They shouldn't change too much because it's you know a tournament. It shouldn't have you know right. It's also a tournament right before the draft. Shouldn't have too much influence, in my opinion, on uh, a team's draft draft rankings. But sometimes it does, so it's some it's worth uh, to keep an eye on. But as it stands right now, Bedard will be number one, Fiantilli will be number two. The next kind of tier, I'd say, is that Carlson, Mitchkoff, I think you could throw Zach Benson in there, Will Smith, uh, maybe even Oliver Moore. That's the tier guy, maybe Ryan Leonard, Leonard as well. And then it kind of drops off to that you know, fourth tier where I think it's all kind of a crapshoot after that. I think after the 10th pick is where it just it's there's a lot of really good talent you know, not everyone's going to be a hit. So something to keep in mind for the Penguins. And I don't think they're going to trade the pick. I think they want to keep it and make, you know, have a good prospect in their pool because they haven't had a top 15 pick since Derek Pouliot, I believe. So I think that they're going to want to keep this pick and make it. But there's a non Greater than zero chance, so nothing about non, just a greater than zero chance that this pick could be used in some kind of deal. I don't know if it's a deal to move out cap and bring something in, or if it's just to try to bring in a goalie or something like that. Something to keep an eye on. I know last episode we talked about the Connor Hellebuck of it all. You know, people have talked about the John Gibson of it all. I'm not as much on that team. Uh, You know, even the Jeremy Swayman of it all even though he didn't have the best game seven. Nonetheless, something to think about. Penguins now know where their pick is, and if they want to use it, teams can evaluate what they value the 14th pick to be. So, something to think about. Um, moving on. So, just to summarize real quick, if you're a Penguin fan, don't stress about the, that lottery and the result. We're good. We're, we're safe from Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli becoming members of any Metro team. So sigh of relief, everybody. Someone who isn't out of trouble are the Toronto Maple Leafs, who to no one's uh, surprise are fumbling. Well, I mean, it's definitely surprising, but they always seem to find a way to miraculously fall. And as it sits right now on Monday, they are down 3-0 in the series to the Florida Panthers. The Panthers that pushed the Bruins to Game 7 and won, down 3-1 to one. Um, in that series. They were down 3-1, won three straight, won the series. 
And uh, they're on a six-game winning streak now in the playoffs. And if they complete the sweep on Wednesday, I believe, because I don't think they, they don't play today. I don't think they play tomorrow either. I think their next game is Wednesday in Sunrise. They will have won seven in a row and knocked off the Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Boston Bruins obviously were the President's Trophy winners this year. And the Toronto Maple Leafs, I believe, were second in the East and maybe in the entire NHL. But let me take a look here. They were, sorry, they were two points behind Carolina, one point behind New Jersey. So they were fourth in the East. Uh, and and tied for fourth in the NHL with the Golden Knights. Yeah, so Florida's on the precipice of knocking off the President's Trophy winners, the best regular season team in NHL history in the Boston Bruins, and knocking off the fourth best team in the NHL in the Toronto Maple Leafs in the regular season, obviously. What Florida's doing is insane, but this isn't a Florida podcast. But it's worth noting, they've been great. Um, I believe the only former Penguin on that team is Hornfist. And I don't believe he's been playing. So there's not, you know, there's no Penguin connection there, but there is on the Leafs side. One of which was Sam Lafferty, who scored the first goal in yesterday's game. Things were looking good for the Leafs and they crumbled. But there's been discussion, there's been rumblings, there's been rumors thrown out that there's is a legitimate, maybe power struggle isn't the right word, but there's disagreement at the highest levels of Toronto Maple Leafs management. And this was even during that first round win. And but it's all coming out now as, as the castle's starting to burn uh, on Lake Ontario. Things are really starting to rumble. And it seems like, I know last episode I said, oh, Dubas is safe, they got their first round win. There's, you know, he's not leaving. It may be possible, but it's been a month since the firings of Hextall, Burke, and Pryor. We haven't heard anything on the Penguins general manager search. Do they wait out Dubis being let go? It could be as soon as this, the end of this week, because if, if the Leafs get swept and uh, the power struggle and every all the conflict at the top of the organization is real the dubis could be gone by the end of this week i i still part of me thinks that they're going to give him the benefit of the doubt granted the you know the first round win the first since 2004 but if they lose to a team that barely made the playoffs they beat the penguins by one point the penguins had a chance to control their own destiny and eliminate the Panthers, but they didn't. The Panthers sneak in, and they are ripping through the Eastern Conference right now, more specifically the Atlantic Division. If that happens, is Dubas available all of a sudden? It seems like it might be. Most of these rumors and everything I heard were from the SDPN, the Steve Dangle podcast. It seems like they have some kind of insight that... There's something inside uh, up at the top of the uh, food chain there at the Scotiabank Arena that Dubis isn't happy with how things are going. And obviously, we've, we've talked about before, he wants full autonomy. And if he wants that, this is the place he can get it. 
because the Penguins, it seems like, are looking for one guy mainly to make to have the ultimate say in things. He still needs to build out the rest of his team in, in assistant general managers and whatnot. But Kyle Dubas would be the ultimate decision maker for the Pittsburgh Penguins if this happens. So, something to think about. Carolina is up 2-1 in their series with New Jersey, but lost badly yesterday. 8-4 was the final score, and it was a quite a physical match too. So that is important based on um, the Eric Tolsky side of things. People, you know, still think that he should be the guy. I'm not sure. You know, it's just been radio silence. Rob Rossi of The Athletic reported that there's been no new information, which doesn't seem like much of a report, but nonetheless, no new information. But the only people that are you know, in the know of the search right now seem to be you know, uh, president of the team, Kevin Acklin, head coach Mike Sullivan, and I believe it's uh, the business president of Fenway Sports Group, Dave Beeston, who was the guy that was in the a press conference for the firing of Hextall and Burke and Pryor. So that seems to be where we're at. I'm not sure if there's going to be anything else that comes out uh, anytime soon. I have a feeling that the first news we're going to hear about this is the day it happens. Some things will start to leak out. The Penguins will announce a, pre- a press conference and then they'll introduce whoever. Kyle Dubas may be the guy. Eric Tolsky might be the guy. I've started hearing some more names uh, just through listening to other outlets, and people have brought up uh, Rich Peverly, former uh, Dallas Star. He's been in management down there in Dallas for a while. Jason Botterill, who obviously has history here, he was uh, the assistant general manager there here for a while. He took the GM job in Buffalo, did not work out well for him. He got canned. Kevin Adams now is running the ship there. But during the expansion, uh, Kraken. You know, that the expansion process there, whenever they were first getting into the league, the, uh, the Kraken hired Botterill in as a, an assistant GM, I believe, and he has helped build this team that is just wrecking worlds right now. They have a 2-1 lead over the Dallas Stars in that series as we speak. If, if You know, they're only two wins away from joining the uh, whoever out in the Pacific in the Western Conference Final which wouldn't it be just awesome if it was a Seattle-Vegas-Western final, the two expansion teams? Hockey purists would lose their mind. But that's besides the point. It's fun. It's a fun idea. So Botterill's one. There's a lot of other AGMs around the league uh, that have other names thrown in. The Stan Bowman rumor really irks me, especially today, given how the Blackhawks won the draft lottery. I, I If, you know... He was forced to resign because of what happened, which was rightful. He shouldn't, we shouldn't be the team to give him his next chance. I don't want to, the Penguins to have that moniker of being the, the one that could forgive a guy who, you know, brushed away sexual, you know, uh, assault allegations. There's, he wasn't the only one that was in charge at the time, obviously, but he lost his job over it. Not a great look for the organization, in my opinion. And I don't think Fenway wants him. People online have been defending from just not everybody. I think most people's kind of in agreement that we don't want Stan Bowman 
But there have been people that have been defending his record as a general manager, saying he built a dynasty. No, he didn't. Dale Talon built a dynasty in Chicago. Stan Bowman inherited a dynasty. All he had to do was tinker around the edges. He did not build a dynasty. Stan Bowman's not going to build a dynasty in Pittsburgh, especially not with 35, 36, 37-year-old stars. I, I don't want Stan Bowman for his hockey sense of it all or the optics of it all. Just keep him away from my team. I don't want Stan Bowman. But I know Friedman, uh, Elliot Friedman, 32 Thoughts on Hockey Night in Canada, rumored that, that Pittsburgh was interested and Calgary was interested. And basically for that to happen, he would have to be reinstated by the league, by Gary Bettman. Just seems like such an unnecessary process when there's so many more qualified, better individuals and better hockey people, smarter hockey people, for the job than to go through those hoops to defend him. I'm sorry, I don't see the appeal of it whatsoever. I just don't. So that's my opinion on the Stan Bowman side of it. I'm still on the Tolski side. I'd be fine with Dubis as well. I think the team he's built, I don't I don't blame him for the faults of the team. I really don't. I know there are a lot of, a lot of people who do. He's built a lot of really strong teams. I don't blame him for that cursed organization and those players that can't seem to get up for the biggest games of their lives. They just can't. They were able to do it in the first round, and it seems like they're just complacent with that. Oh, they won a first. They won. They won one series. Call it a day. I don't put that at the feet of Kyle Dubas at all. I don't. That's besides the point. I'm going to take a. We're going to take a breather here, and then when I come back. There's a new segment I want to introduce, but we'll be right back after these messages. Light the lamp during hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Tomorrow, the New Jersey Devils and Carolina Hurricanes get back into action, and the New Jersey Devils are favored at a minus 150. A $10 bet on them will net you a 1666 payout. Or if you want to take the underdogs, the Carolina Hurricanes, if you want to take them to take a 3-1 to one lead in this series, a $10 uh, bet will net you $23 payout as they are plus 130. That'll be a great game to keep an eye on. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for offer details. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Welcome back. Since it's, for the Penguins at least, the offseason, and there's not a ton to talk about every episode, I think I'm going to start a new segment for... Penguins history, kind of. Not every fan is completely informed on the history of the team. 
how things came to be, how we got certain players, whatnot. So I think it's important to just kind of give a little history lesson. I'm going to think of a name for this segment at some point, but in the meantime, I'm just going to call it Penguins History or History in Penguins. I don't, I don't know. I'm not creative. But nonetheless, today, given the draft lottery, it's only proper that we do a little deep dive into how the Penguins got won the draft lottery in 2005 and drafted our best player in franchise history, Sidney Crosby. So it was not a very normal draft lottery in 2005. The 04-05 NHL season was a lockout, just as there has been in you know more recent years. Basically, the NHL Players Association and the league are at a crossroads over the, collecting bar- the collective bargaining agreement. It's usually the biggest sticking points are typically, at least recently, have been about revenue split. Currently, it's at a 50-50, so basically the players get 50% revenue, of all hockey-related revenue, and the other 50% goes to the owners and you know it stays on that side. It hasn't always been that way. It's been a thing that the players have fought for for years, and they finally got it. But 2005, they were at a lockout again, so there's more disagreement about the collective bargaining agreement. This time, it was about implementing a salary cap. So before the 2005 NHL season, there was no uh, salary cap, basically, an amount that the league needed to or teams needed to spend to or they couldn't surpass. So basically, right now, I believe... The NHL salary cap limit ceiling is $82.5 million per team, and the floor, the minimum that teams have to spend, is $61 million. So all the way back in 2004, in the 04-05 lockout, teams were spending 76% of their revenues on salaries, and the league and the owners did not like that. They felt that they were spending way too much money on the talent, and weren't getting enough money back on their, you know, on their own to make more money because billionaires want to make more money. At the time, though, these teams weren't all worth billions of dollars. That's obviously skyrocketed a lot recently. But nonetheless, I'm not going to defend the billionaires here. So the league and the Players Association were fighting over implementing a salary cap. The league and the owners felt that that was necessary. Obviously, the players wanted no part of that because that was going to cut how much they make by a large percentage. Like I said, the 76% of the revenues were on salaries. Eventually, that would get reduced to um, 54% because of this lockup, but eventually it would hit a 50-50 revenue split. So that's a big drop-off. That's a 22% drop-off. So, you know, big changes throughout the league, contracts, you know, completely change because of this. And still to this day, individual player salaries has not recovered entirely. The players, the, the, the highest paid players per year in the NHL history were pre 0405, whereas every other league right now, the most expensive, you know, per year average annual salary players are playing right now. Look at guys like Patrick Mahomes in the NFL. I'm looking at thinking of the NBA, Steph Curry, LeBron, I'm sure, like in that top upper echelon of top of, of most highest paid ever, you know, in the end, every other league, 
but the NHL. The NHL, their highest paid guys were in the late 90s, early 2000s, still to this day. Best player, highest played currently is Connor McDavid, and he's not making as much per year as some of those guys beforehand were. That's besides the point. This resulted in the entire season being canceled. There was no regular season that was played or postseason in the 04-05 season. So the league had this phenom that was playing in the QMJHL for the Ramuski Oceanic. His name was Sidney Crosby, and he was the hot, most highly touted prospect since, at the time, Mario Lemieux. The year prior, the rival Washington Capitals won the draft lottery and won the opportunity to select Alex Ovechkin, who at the time was one of the most highest-touted uh, prospects in the league. Obviously, when the next year came, Sidney Crosby surpassed that. But because there was no regular season played in the season, it was kind of hard for the league to come up with a way that would make it fair for this phenom on its way and like how should how teams are or what team is basically going to be have the opportunity to pick him so the solution was that every team all 30 teams at the time will have a lottery chance to pick Sidney Crosby but not even it's not a every not every team had a 130 chance it was a weighted lottery essentially Three lottery balls were for four teams that hadn't reached the the postseason in the previous three years or won any of the previous four lotteries. Those teams were the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Buffalo Sabres, the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the New York Rangers. The Blue Jackets and the Penguins both drafted uh, number one in 2002 and 2003, respectively. But that was Florida's pick that the Penguins acquired they swapped, they had third overall that year. They swapped with Florida with some other picks to move up to number one so they could draft goaltender Mark Andre Fleury. That's how they got number one that year. So those, those four teams had three balls. Ten teams had two, and that was either for making one of those previous or if they won one of the previous lotteries. So they didn't want teams that made multiple playoffs or if they won a previous lottery, having the highest odds. So 10 teams were given two. The the remaining 16 teams all got one ball. So that checked out to a 1-16 in chance for the Pittsburgh Penguins to select Sidney Crosby. Uh, That checks out to about a 6.25% chance. Since there was no regular season at all to go off of for the rest of the picks, not only was the Penguin pick a lottery, every pick was a lottery. And all 1 to 30, that, that's how it went. And then instead of the usual order where in the second round, the uh, worst team you know, restarts and then it goes to the same order as it was every round, they did a snake draft essentially, which is very similar to how it is in a lot of fantasy drafts that people do for their fantasy leagues where essentially... The last pick in the first round got the first pick in the second round. And the play, and the team that got the first pick in the first round goes last in the second round. And it basically alternates like that every uh, other round. So the Penguins owned the first pick, and they also owned the 60th pick. But the last team who got 30th would also pick 31. So that is how the, that draft was conducted. Very unique circumstances. It was, um, you know, not the typical way that the NHL does their drafts, but that the, the way it was set up 
there's been a lot of controversy that because the Penguins were, uh, you know, obviously a very unsuccessful team financially at the time, there was rumors of them moving to Kansas City, Quebec City, amongst many other cities at that time that the Penguins have been looked at as one of the teams that was kind of a a benefactor of possible rigging. There's been nothing to prove that, but speculation and conspiracy runs wild online nonetheless. So there are still people to this day that swear up and down that this was not a legitimate lottery, that the that Gary Bettman and the NHL rigged it so the Penguins would stay in Pittsburgh, which I don't really see the benefit in that for them. Obviously, in the 90s, it was a very successful team in a very successful hockey city, but who's to say that the franchise wouldn't also be successful in Kansas City or Portland? I don't see why the Penguins would have been, you know, so favored by the NHL or Pittsburgh would have been so favored by the NHL. So not really, I've never bought into that. I'm also a Penguins fan, so I can't buy into that. I need to believe that we got this fair and square. Um, But you know what? I don't, I don't care. You know, it was 18 years ago. He's still playing. He's still a top 10 player in this league. He changed the franchise completely. He was the best player from that draft, bar none. The best player in the since he since he's been drafted, he's the most successful hockey player in the world. Not just NHLer. Internationally, he's the greatest hockey player since he was drafted. I think when it's all said and done, Connor McDavid's probably gonna have better, you know, offensive numbers, especially because he's playing in such a higher scoring era as well. Don't, I'm not taking anything away from him. He's very, he's a very talented player. But in terms of just a leader and a champion, I think Sidney Crosby is the best player we've seen since he stepped foot on NHL ice. But we don't exactly know what the ceiling is for the guy that got his future determined earlier today in Connor Bedard. Maybe he is that upper echelon and he becomes a just a, a dynamo and he becomes the leader of whatever the Chicago Blackhawks are building. I have no ill will, like I said, against their fans, hoping for the best, uh, for the player too as well. He seems like a really good guy. He seems so dedicated to hockey, like Sidney Crosby. But the, uh, nonetheless, I'm going to leave that there. That's the story of the Penguins getting Sidney Crosby. There are many stories of you know, lore that Penguins fans should know about, things that have happened in the franchise's history that are wacky or could have ended the franchise, things that saved the franchise. So many stories that go off of this one franchise that I'm going to do more of these. This is obviously just a quick one. It's just, it's very topical because like I said, today was the biggest day, one of the biggest days in uh, in the league calendar especially given that it was the, the stakes were so high this year. So I wanted to make sure that I parked some time to talk about that because, yeah, we didn't move up to four like, you know, Penguin fans wish they would have. We also don't have a GM right now. There's not everything is super bright in Penguin land, but we are very fortunate, and we've won these in the past, and we probably won the best one to ever win, in my opinion. So... I'm going to park that there. 
don't have much else to talk about. We talked about GM stuff. Uh, I mean, the playoffs have been just insane. I know I, we talked briefly about it when we were talking about the GM stuff, but the fact that the Panthers have a 3-0 lead on the Leafs is crazy to me. The Kraken are proving me wrong. The Panthers, like I guess, are proving me wrong as well on top of that. Um, this Edmonton game is happening right now. Let me see if I can get a score update for you. I know that... Uh, Series is tied at 1-1, and Vegas has a 3-1 lead with eight minutes left in the second. Marcia So has two goals, both assisted by Eichel, and Zach Whitecloud has one assisted by Smith and Nick Haig. The first goal, though, was Warren Fogle, assisted by Derek Ryan and Ryan McLeod. Uh, Both McLeod brothers in the second round, good for them, Michael of the Devils and Ryan of the Oilers. So if that holds up, which there's still almost half the end game to play, then uh, Vegas would go up 2-1 in that series. Carolina, like I mentioned earlier, has a 2-1 lead over New Jersey. That series can really go either way, in my opinion. I, I still give the edge to Carolina, but if they don't get their goaltending fixed, uh, or a lot, there's a lot of defensive lapses in that 8-4 game too as well, obviously. There's, uh, there's definitely an opportunity for New Jersey to come back and make it a series. And like I said, Seattle up on Dallas is crazy to me. I didn't think that they'd beat Colorado. I didn't think that they'd have a lead over the Stars. But here we are. If Vegas wins tonight, both of the most recent expansion teams will have a lead in their series and be make it more likely that we have a Seattle-Vegas Western Final, which would just be crazy. A Seattle-Vegas West Final and then the Panthers and... Any like either Carolina or New Jersey, we we're, we're set for no matter who wins any of these matchups to have an awesome Final Four, an awesome final. I'm so happy that none of the teams I hate are remaining, so I can just kind of casually watch and enjoy hockey finally without being worried that you know my my hater will or my most hated team will win anything. I'm just enjoying this casually as a fan. Honestly, do not care. Which of these eight teams wins the cup? I'm going with the flow here. I'm just enjoying the ride because my team doesn't even have a general manager right now. But either way, I'm going to wrap it up here. Bit of a shorter one, but congrats to Chicago Blackhawks fans. Not the organization. Congrats to the Anaheim Ducks and their fans. They're going to get a great player in Adam Fantilli. I know they're upset they didn't get Connor Bedard, but nonetheless... Fantilli is going to be fantastic for them. So keep your head up, Ducks fans. I'm looking at you, Mason. Noted Duck fan, former uh, well, friend of the show, I'd say. Mason Strawn, big Ducks guy. Um, but I'm going to leave that there. Thank God Columbus didn't get Bedard. Thank God Philly and Washington also didn't get Bedard. We can sleep good at night knowing that Connor Bedard is going to wreck the Western Conference for years to come. And we will only have to see him a couple times a year. So rest easy, Penguins fans. Hopefully next week we have some more news on the GM front. We'll see. And enjoy more playoff hockey because there's a lot of it. So enjoy, and we'll see you next time.